Welcome to Denton North Church. It's good to see you guys' faces and to be back in person again. I've missed actually looking into your eyes, actually seeing your face, or at least your face with a mask on. Um, as we've been talking about community, um, I just want to convey to you guys that presence and participation is important. Um, having you here on Sunday morning is important, and it may not feel like it to you. Like You may not feel like anybody even knows that you're here, but we know, and God knows, and it's important that you're here and that you participate in the service this morning. Um, it's important to me to look around and see you. It's important to me to look around and know that you're here because you love God and you love this body. It's encouraging. Um, it makes a difference. And I think it makes a difference to all of us. And we notice when one of us isn't here. And so don't ever get up and think, oh, it doesn't really matter if I'm there or not, because it matters. And we're glad that you're here. And hopefully, as we've talked about community some, and as we continue to talk about community, you'll hear over and over again that it matters and why it matters. Opal's going to come up this morning and do an announcement about mentorship. Hello. Hi. Good morning. Uh, we are starting a DNC-focused mentorship program, which we've been announcing the past couple of weeks. We do still have a sign-up sheet on the DNC newsletter and the Facebook page. I'll be reposting it today, so it'll be kind of at the top. Um, our goal is to connect our students with our adults in a one-on-one -on -one setting to facilitate growing community relations and sharing our lives together. Um, we've extended the sign up through December, so you still have some time to sign up, but really get on that um, so we can start looking at pairings and really getting that moving forward. Also, we do need more adult women to sign up. I've been really encouraged by the amount of participation. It's been really cool seeing you guys like engage with this, but we do need more adult women and more college student men. So if you guys could spread the word and get that out so we can um, start pairing you guys up, that's going to be so good. Thank you. Okay, before we dive into the sermon, just a couple of reminders and a couple of updates. Um, if you need it in this gray bucket over here, we have gloves, we have masks, and we also have hand sanitizer. So anytime you get here and you're like, oh my goodness, I forgot my mask, what am I going to do? There's always things over here in the gray bucket, and you're always welcome to go and get what you need or ask for it, either one. And don't forget that the building will be open until 1230 today. And so if you need to go in and go to the restroom, you're welcome to do that. Just make sure that you have your mask on when you go in. And then just in terms of how long we're going to be meeting outside, we just wanted you guys to know that we're going to do it as long as we can. So as long as the weather holds, as long as we're able to... Um, meet outside and it's not raining or it's not super cold, we're going to do that. We have the option of moving inside when the weather uh, gets prohibitive. And so um, we'll probably put out a survey here shortly to see how many of you would be comfortable meeting inside if we need to do that. 
um, and kind of make our decision from there. We may go to a double format when we move inside, where we have space inside for people that are comfortable and where we have an online format for people that aren't. Um, but just know that we're always thinking about that. We're always evaluating that. And if you have questions at any time, feel free to ask um, any of us about that. So I think we're ready to get started on our sermon today. So for the past few weeks, we've been talking about community and just who we are as a community. And in a lot of ways, we've really kind of focused it down to who is DNC as a community and talking about what that looks like. And today we're going to do a little more of that. Um, but in the last couple of weeks, we looked at Acts 1 and 2. We particularly looked at Acts 2 verses 42 through 47. And we saw there that the church was devoted to and intentional about some things. So like they were devoted to gathering. They were devoted to gathering in a large group like this, in our small groups, like our small groups throughout the week. Um, and they were devoted to meeting every day is what it says in Acts. They were devoted to learning. They were a learning community. And so they were um, devoted to learning about the apostles' teachings, about what it meant to live for Jesus, about what their lives should look like in terms of that. And they were entertaining new thoughts and new ideas on a regular basis. They lived life together. Acts says God was glorified and God grew their number, it says daily. And he was glorified in that. So today, one of the questions that came from the groups that we did from you guys was how close should we be? Like the idea of meeting every day and having everything in common, like what does that really look like for us and how close should we really be? And as I started thinking about um, this question, I think it's helpful to look at it in terms of extremes. So like on the one extreme of how close we should be, we have like a cult, way too close. On the other hand, on the other extreme, we have like a club. So like going to a dance club, going to a party club, what I don't even know how you describe those, but going to a club where people are not close at all. And so in thinking through the two things, here's a few things to think about. So on the one extreme cult, the value is in the group and not in the individual in a cult. The value is in the group and not in the individual. So nothing is about me. None of my money and possessions belong to me. They all belong to the group, namely the leader of that group. They tell me how to dress. They tell me who I should marry or if I should marry or not. They control how I spend my time. There's little to no contact with families that are outside of that group. You lose your individuality to the group. So that's the extreme of cult. I'm encouraged to reveal everything to the group, all of my assets, all of my thoughts, all of my feelings, everything is about the group. And there's no critical thinking encouraged. You're not supposed to think on your own. We're going to tell you what to think. It's difficult to leave that group. There are penalties for leaving that group. And what we see in that scenario is that Jesus is replaced by a leader. 
So like it might be David Koresh, it might be Jim Jones, but Jesus is replaced by the leader of the cult. So that's one extreme, too close. The other extreme is club, and the value is in the individual, not in the group. Everything's about me. I decide how I want to dress, how much money or how little money I want to spend, who I dance with or who I talk to, and the group only knows what I show them. Like, it's not about getting to know me. It's not about sharing. Um, it's just about no effort, really. And so there's no critical thinking in this extreme either because we just do whatever feels good. We do whatever makes us feel right. And I can leave at any time I want to, and nobody's even going to notice. And then Jesus, in this scenario, is replaced by whatever might be the thing that you're focused on. So like it might be Jesus is replaced by dance. It might be Jesus is replaced by party. It might be Jesus is replaced by pleasure. So in both scenarios, Jesus is replaced by something else. And that scenario, those people are not close at all. And extremes are unhealthy, right? Like we don't usually want to be on the extremes because they're not healthy. And so as a Christian community, we don't want to be one extreme or the other. And so the sermon this morning, as I was preparing for it, is more about a visual of what it looks like, of how close we should be in community, rather than it is about practicals, although you're going to hear some practicals in this. But what I'm hoping is that as I share this with you, that you're going to think through on your own what the practicals need to look like for you in terms of being close enough or not too close in community, where you need to go with that. And so I really only have two points this morning. The first one is that we should be close enough to live out the one another commands. And the second one is we should be close enough to be honest and vulnerable. So we should be close enough to live out the one another commands. We should be close enough to be honest and vulnerable. So let's start out with the one another commands. What are the one another commands? Well, they're the passages in the Bible that either tell us how we need to act with the words one another or with the words each other. It's just those commands that we find in the Bible. And so an example of that would be we're told to bear with each other. We're told to forgive one another. And I summarized this point um, in a way that I knew I could remember, and I'm hoping it might help you too. But I summarized this one with show up and grow up. Show up and grow up. And I'm going to show you how I came up with that through scripture. So the first scripture is Colossians 3, 12 through 14, and it says this. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Those are character traits of God, right? So clothe yourself with character traits of God. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. 
forgive as the Lord forgave you. So there we see some of those one another commands, bear with each other and forgive each other. But then it ends by saying, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect community, in perfect unity. So as we take on God's character, we learn to love one another. As we take on God's character, we love one another. Okay, so then 1 John 3, 16 through 18 says, this is how we know what love is. Like, okay, we need to love one another, so this is how we know what love is. Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. So we love with actions. Our love is not just speech. Our love is shown through our actions to each other, and that's where the one another commands come in. Those are the actions we have towards one another that develop love in us. God wants us to be in regular, close fellowship with other believers. That's what we're doing this morning. Fellowship where we have to be around messy, sometimes irritating, imperfect people. Fellowship where we share, where we serve, where we give, where we celebrate, and all the rest of the one another commands so we can learn how to love like God does. And why is that important? Because Jesus said, they will know you're my disciples by your love. Because that's how we're going to be known, is by this radical, different, standout kind of love for each other that is noticeable to those outside the community. Ephesians 4, 14 through 16 says, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. For him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Okay, so let me put that all together for you. It's easy to get lost in those different scriptures, but those different scriptures, when you put them all together, are super important to why we need to be close enough to live out the one another commands. We show up by gathering together in homes, together like this outside, in small group, in LTGs, all different kinds of ways we gather together. And we love each other by carrying out the one another commands. And as we do that, we grow up in Christ. We become mature in Christ. And then we're a witness to those around us of God's love. And so all of those things work together to make us a body that is a witness to Christ through our love for each other. 
And we have to be intentional about this because this is not easy, right? It's not easy to come together when you don't feel like it. It's not easy to come together when you don't feel like you have a place or when you're just tired and worn out and don't want to be there. It's far from perfect. We're coming together with people that have issues and have problems. And at any point in time, that's each one of us that fits that category. And it's sometimes hard, but real fellowship means being together even when you don't want to be because you understand the importance of it. That's what we just talked about, the importance of it. And so it's important that we understand why it's important if we're going to do this. Bonhoeffer said this, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he who loves his dream of community more than the Christian community itself becomes a destroyer of the latter. If we do not give thanks daily for the Christian fellowship in which we have been placed, even when there is no great experience, no discoverable riches, but much weakness, small faith and difficulty, then we hinder God from letting our fellowship grow. So we participate even when we don't feel like it. So community is about being close enough to fulfill those one another commands with each other so that we can grow up and look like Christ and so that we can demonstrate to the world around us we're his disciples by that radical, different, standout kind of love for each other. So my question to you to help you evaluate yourself on this one is, which one another passage do you need to grow in? And in what ways do you need to show up in order to put those into practice? Which one another commands do you need to grow in? And in what ways do you need to show up in order to put them into practice? There are a lot of one another commands and all you have to do is Google one another passages in scripture and it will bring those up for you. So if you're sitting there going, oh my goodness, I don't even know if I know two one another commands. You can Google those and look them up and then you'll have a list to look through. Don't go, okay, I'm, here's my list of 59 one another commands. I need to get all of these put into practice immediately. That's not gonna happen. So pick one or two that you think that you need to get better at. Pick a few that you think you're already good at and celebrate that. And then start working on those one or two that you've picked to improve in. Okay, the second one. How close should we be? Close enough to be honest and vulnerable. And the way I summarized this one was open up and fess up. Open up and fess up. There's a song called Truth Be Told by Matthew West that I think describes this so well. I'm going to read you some of the lyrics of this song. Lie number one, you're supposed to have it all together. And when they ask how you're doing, just smile and tell them never better. Lie number two, everybody's life is perfect except yours. So keep your messes and your wounds and your secrets safe with you behind closed doors. Truth be told, the truth is rarely told. 
I say I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine, but I'm not. I'm broken. And when it's out of control, I say it's under control, but it's not. And you know it. I don't know why it's so hard to admit it when being honest is the only way to fix it. There's no failure, no fall. There's no sin you don't already know. So let the truth be told. There's a sign on the door says, come as you are, but I doubt it. Because if we lived like that was true, every Sunday morning pew would be crowded. But didn't you say the church should look more like a hospital, a safe place for the sick, the sinner, and the scarred and the prodigals like me? See, I think that describes so often how bad we are at telling the truth and being honest with each other. And why do we do this? Why do we say we're fine or okey-doke, as Brad said a couple of weeks ago? Why do we say that when we're not? We do that because being honest and being vulnerable is risky. We risk rejection. We risk hurt. We risk exposure. And vulnerability reveals our weakness. And if there's anything we don't like as humans, it's appearing weak. We don't want to be seen as weak. We don't want to present ourselves as weak. And if we're vulnerable, it might appear that we need help from our brothers and sisters, or it might even appear that we need Jesus, that we need a savior that we need someone to fix us. So why risk it? Why would we risk it when we have the possibility of rejection, hurt, and exposure? Because like it says in the song, it's the only way to fix it. If you need help, whether that help is in the form of a hug or a prayer or money or accountability, which I like to call sometimes a kick in the rear, which I need on occasion, you can't get it without being honest. You can't be get it without opening up. And the only way to grow spiritually and to be emotionally healthy is to open up. And when you're used to being honest, when you're used to opening up, it makes confession so much easier. That's the fess up part. It makes confession so much easier. James 5.16, this is another one another command. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other, two of them, so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. If we want to be, if we want that type of confession, to be part of our community, then we have to be intentional with being honest. For our adults, one of the best places for that type of confession and honesty and accountability is in our LTG groups. And I would encourage you that if you're not a part of one of those and you're a part of our adult ministry, to get plugged into one of those. And you can let us know um, if you're interested in doing that and we'll plug you in. So Ephesians 4.29 gives us an important reminder that honesty 
is not a license to share anything you want. So Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So that doesn't mean that you just share whatever you want whenever you want. It means that you have to think about, is this going to be helpful? Is this going to benefit those who listen? Have I chosen someone that is able to do something about what I tell them? Have I chosen someone that is able to actually help, that's able to actually hold me accountable? Because here's the thing, whenever we're confessing, we like to go to that person that's going to tell us it's, it's okay. You're like, it's, it's fine. It's, that's not a big deal. Like, it's okay. I have a friend that I love her support of me. I love her encouragement. But I think I could tell her I murdered someone and she would be like, that's okay. It's fine. You know, I don't go to her for confession. I go to her for a lot of other things. She's a great friend, but not for confession because when I confess, I want somebody that's going to say, okay, here's next steps. Here's what we need to do to fix that. And sometimes all it is is forgiveness. Like I just need to repent and receive God's forgiveness. But sometimes when we sin, it's way bigger than that. Like there are things that need to be repaired and fixed because of my sin. And I want someone that's going to follow up with me and that's going to hold me accountable for repairing that and making those changes and getting things back as best I can the way they need to be. I also want someone that's going to let me know and remind me that there is forgiveness for that. Like I don't want to live in in fear of not being forgiven. I want that part as well. Ephesians 4.15 says, that's the one that talks about speaking the truth in love. And I think that's also a reminder that honesty is not a license to say anything you want to say to people. Like wounds hurt and wounds can be difficult to get over. So when someone is opening up to you, when someone is confessing to you, choose your words wisely, choose your words carefully. Um, just because we're being honest doesn't mean that we can speak in mean, unhelpful ways. Speaking the truth and love is important. So the question on this one is, how can you grow in opening up and being honest or how can you grow in being a person that other people can open up and be honest to? So either how can you grow and open up in being honest or how can you be the kind of person, grow in being the kind of person that people will open up and be honest to? So just a couple of things about too close. A couple of warnings here. One is that control is not a part of biblical closeness. We shouldn't try to take the place of God in people's lives, and we shouldn't let people take the place of God in our lives. 
So control is not a part of biblical closeness. The second thing that I would say that indicates um, too close is letting one person monopolize your time or asking or you monopolizing somebody else's time. And so that might be a spouse monopolizing all of your time. It might be a boyfriend or a girlfriend. It might be a best friend. But if you find that that one person is monopolizing your time or that you're asking one person to be your everything, the person you confess to, the person you hang out with, the person that you do everything with, that's a sign of too close. God is God. And remember, we saw in the extremes that the problems with the extremes always boil down to something else taking God's place. Okay, so that's a warning sign. And oftentimes that manifests itself with the words, they need me or I need them. They need me or I need them. Those are kind of red flags to you that maybe you need to evaluate that. You don't see in Jesus' life where he let one person monopolize his time. He spent time with a lot of different people, and he spent different amounts of time. He spent, obviously, a lot more time with his disciples than he did with people that he ran into um, just during life. Um, But he always knew his mission. And then the last one on that is just, if there's no room for others, that's too close. Because we always want to allow others to come in And whether it's about not allowing them or not leaving space for them or just being thoughtless, if the Lord added to their number daily, there had to be space for other people to join in. And so if in your group of friends, there's no more room for anybody else to join, that's too close and you need to look at that. We always have room for more people at the table. Next week, Brad's going to talk about being a blessing to those outside the community. So we're going to start looking at, rather than looking inside the community, how do we bless those outside the community? But I want to share something with you. This is just kind of something to give you a vision for being close enough for community. And I want to answer the question, what does close enough look like? Close enough to say hello, to smile, to get in a group on a Sunday morning and talk about what community means or what a scripture means, to encourage just by being here. Close enough to take a walk, to watch a movie, to meet for dinner, to share a laugh. Close enough to share a prayer request, to ask for a ride to the airport at 4 a.m., to cook dinner to invite me to your house, even if it's through the back gate to sit by the pool during social distancing. Close enough to ask me questions that you've been wondering about, to say I disagree, or I don't think that's a good idea, or my marriage is in trouble, or I messed up big. Close enough to say we're having a baby. I'm dating this girl. I got the job. I'm buying a house. 
or close enough to say, I don't know how we're going to pay our rent. My dad has cancer. My parents are divorcing. I've been thinking about hurting myself. Close enough to wash clothes for your family when your child is in the hospital, to drop off a meal when you've had surgery, to say we'll be there in five minutes when you get bad news, to sit at the hospital while you're in surgery. Close enough to sit through the pain with you when you're healing from trauma. Close enough to say, I need help. I'm sorry. I forgive you. You're not okay. Close enough to ask how you're doing with God. Close enough to notice when you're not here and ask why. Close enough to celebrate you when you finally kick that addiction. Close enough to take your call at 2 a.m. Close enough to be your guardian when there's no one else to take care of you when you're old. Close enough to ask you to be the guardian of my children if something happens to me. Close enough to let you move in with our family, to spend holidays together, to bring your car, bring you, to bring your, me your car when mine won't start. Close enough to let me see the messed up, flawed, embarrassing, sinful realities of myself and know it won't scare you off. Close enough to never give up. Close enough for you to consistently show up for me and me to consistently show up for you as we both grow to look more like Christ. That's what close enough looks like. And if you think that kind of life, that kind of closeness in community is impossible, you would be right. With humans, that is impossible. And if it were up to us, we might as well just fold up our chairs and go home right now. But God. Remember those two words I told you about a few weeks ago? But God. With God, all things are possible. God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power, his Holy Spirit that is at work within us. Right here at DNC, in this community, with this group right here, he's done amazing things already. All of what I shared and what does close enough look like came from this community or one of the other communities in our family of churches. Those were all real things, not made up things. He's already done amazing things. And the good news is he's not done. He's not done with that. If we show up and if we open up and we fess up, he's going to grow us. He's going to empower us through his Holy Spirit so that we can be witnesses of God's love to the community around us. Just think about Denton. What would that look like? to the city of Denton. What kind of example of Christ's love can we be? And will be made and matured to glorify God. He who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it, and we can count on that. So I just want to leave you with that encouragement this morning. I want to leave you with that picture 
of what close enough look looks like. And my hope is that throughout the week, you'll take time to think about those questions that I gave you so that you can come up with what are some practical things I need to do in order to be that kind of community? Because it would be super hard for me to stand up here and cover all of the practical things each individual needs to do. Like they're different for everybody, right? So you have to do that work. You have to do that part of figuring that out. However, I will say, if you need help with that, feel free to ask. Feel free to ask one of us if we'll sit down with you and help you kind of go through that and figure that out. Ask some of the people that know you the best, how can I grow in this? Does anybody have questions before I stop? I feel like you asked about five questions there. <laughs> okay, so, okay. So she asked, how do you keep intimacy with old friends while bringing in new people? Like, how do you do that? Um, and I would say that it's a difficult thing to do, but the big thing is you don't have to do it all. Like you've got a community of people here, right? So whenever somebody new comes in, we need to make sure they're connected somewhere. We need to make sure that they connect with somebody in the community. It doesn't necessarily have to be us. Like we just need to make sure they connect somewhere. And we need to not drop the ball on that. Like we need to take responsibility for that. And then I would say that keeping those connections with old friends, that you have to do what you can do. So like if those old friends are still in our community, you have a lot more opportunity to continue those connections. If that person has moved somewhere else, like maybe they're in a different city, that happens a lot after people graduate from college, they move to a different city. And so you can stay connected to that person. You just have to realize your time together is going to look different. It's going to have to be way more intentional. Um, but like we all have a point where we can only maintain so many intimate relationships. But we need to always be willing to bring someone in and help them form intimate relationships, even if it's not with us, but with someone else. Anybody else? Yes, yes. Okay, so the second two verses on the first point is what she's asking for. So the first John 3, 16 through 18, and then Ephesians 4, 14 through 16. Yes. On the first one? Okay, so the last, the question on the first one was, which one and other passages do you need to grow in? And in what ways do you need to show up in order to put them into practice? Okay, again, if you have questions and you want to talk further, I'm always available. So feel like if you're not comfortable asking your question in front of everybody, feel free to come and ask me that later. Get my phone number from somebody and text me or call me, whatever you need to do. So one of the things that Jesus did for us is put himself in a place of weakness. Um, he rode a docile donkey instead of a strong stallion. He was betrayed by Judas and he was denied by Peter. He was crucified on a cross after he was beaten and mocked. Even though he could have showed his strength, 
and he could have stopped all of it. He chose to be exposed and to be hurt and to be rejected for us. And I pray that we can do the same thing for one another and for those that don't know him yet. And his extravagant love, his extravagant love for us through becoming weak for us is what we celebrate during the Lord's Supper. And it's what we strive to imitate in our community. Let's pray together and then we'll take a communion together. God, I just pray for our community that as we gather together, that you would show us ways that we can show up for one another, that you would grow us up in you to love like you and to let your love define us and be so extravagant and so crazy that everybody can notice the difference. I pray, God, that we'll be intentional in making room for new people in our community, that we'll be intentional in loving, that we'll be intentional in the one another commands. And I pray, God, that we'll be willing to love extravagantly like you've loved us. You loved us first, and we're so grateful and so thankful. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.